0: I think it's important to remember that chaplains are, um, are not the arbiters of community or, um, we're rather the facilitators of it. Um, we're not the arbiters of culture or community, but rather we're here to come alongside it because each organization has its own community life and its own, um, in its own organizational identity. And, and it's up to us to understand what that is, and align with it, and then help where we can. And we're not here to change it. We're just here to help facilitate it.
1: All right. Well, welcome to the Mops and podcast with Alex and Drew. We got an interesting episode today that we've had a lot of conversations surrounding this issue recently. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dig into spirituality's role as a component of health and fitness, and and how the chaplaincy fits in in the tactical environment, and all of these pieces. And we we know there've been many discussions about kind of like the the role of spirituality as it impacts behavioral health. Um, how does it tie in with some of the other domains that might not seem as organic, uh, an interdisciplinary relationship on the surface? A lot of challenges there. You guys as well expressed some pretty strong opinions with some, some posts on the issue recently. So we wanted to really dive into it in a, in a more constructive kind of dialogue here. So who do we got, Drew? So the guest that you'll hear us chatting with today
2: is, is Chaplain Chris Bacorny. Chris is an Air Force Special Operations Command Chaplain at Pope Army Airfield here in North Carolina. Uh, prior to receiving a Master's of Social Work from Arizona State University, Chris received a Master's of Divinity degree from Neshota House Theological Seminary, was ordained an Anglican priest, and served as a supply clergy for several years. I think one of the things that's most interesting about Chris is that in addition to being a chaplain, he is a licensed clinical social work associate in North Carolina. So he's really passionate about research that intersects the spiritual piece and the mental health piece. Um, Chris is a friend of mine. I've worked with him for a long time. You'll hear in this episode, one of the funniest stories, uh, related to him. He's a big meathead, loves lifting, loves the heavy tunes. Um, so all in all, just a super relatable guy and and one of the better dudes we could probably bring
1: on to talk about this subject. And there's some, uh, there's some good shout outs in here to like useful resources. You guys can go track down. He gives lots of homework if you want to go do some reading. Just a really good all-around discussion of like the state of the literature and what seems to work and some best practices in this space. Enjoy.
2: We don't like each other all that much, but it's a good business relationship.
0: There you go. That's about right. You're, you're, so, you're so sterile and objective. I love it. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> we'll just put it out there from front.
0: Especially since this is being recorded.
1: It helps. I saw something the other day that like we shouldn't we shouldn't base relationships on common interests. We should base them on common dislikes and things we hate mutually. Nice. And Drew and I seem to find the same things stupid. So I think that works out pretty well.
0: I like that. <laughs> All
2: right. I want to I wanna start with like the most softball of softball questions for you. And that is this cool. uh, what is spirituality?
0: Yeah, so uh, the uh, the softballist question um, that that in and of itself is not really a softball. So (laughs) all
2: right, more of a curveball slider.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that no, that works. Uh, So I literally have to explain what I do to people every day, right? I have to kind of give my elevator speech. So um, the way I kind of think about spirituality uh, is um, it is the uh, the thing that undergirds your decision-making process, right? Like why do you do what you do? You know, the things that bring you meaning or value. Um, and those are the, the, the ways that you make decisions. So the things that you value or esteem or, uh, that you use to make this make a life decision or how you're going to live out your, your worldview, um, or your, uh, um, you know, Am I going to be a good person today? Am I going to treat people with respect? Am I going to treat people with dignity? These are common values, uh, character traits, or tenets, beliefs that you have that you order your life with. Um, so that's kind of broad uh, spectrum. Like, this is how I think about spirituality. Um, to go in a little bit deeper, like, in the military, we we have the concept of, of spiritual fitness. Um and you know, I have that, that definition. I can give you the definition, and I can give you kind of a way that I I measure that um, with a, a couple of tools that I utilize that I've been that I've in, uh, inherited. Um, so you know, the the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff back in like twenty eleven did the whole total force fitness study, um, which built out a very robust understanding of, of the whole person. Um, and so they built this, uh, military wellness app or military wellness construct. So there's psychological, social, physical, um, they just added financial, uh, but spiritual, medical, dental, and then environmental and nutrition. Um, these are all a part of your overall, like human wellness or like human performance, if you will. Um, and so spirituality is, is a part of that. Um, and so the, the total force fitness is kind of developed over time. And, you know, the idea, the idea of belonging, being like your meaning and purpose, what are your core values, your ability to cope with stress, uh, all these make up spirituality. And so spiritual fitness defined by the, the chairman of joint chiefs is, is the, um, is the ability to adhere to beliefs, principles or values needed to persevere or prevail in accompl- accomplishing a mission. So, like the things that enable you to go and do well, uh, kind of like the the gray and kind of abstract and hard things to quantify, uh, which is what spirituality is, because <laughs> it's really challenging to to measure that. Um, those are the things that undergird your decision making process of being a good dude, being a uh, being a performing performing at your best. Um, so, I don't know if that. That's like the big picture, like military definition of uh, like how we utilize spirituality to enhance our our job or our well being. I don't know if your eyes glazed over. A lot of times, people their eyes glaze over when I start getting into that big
1: picture stuff. Well, I can offer a couple potential kind of follow up questions there, and I think yeah, go for it. One of one of the challenges that we run into, and I think this is probably pretty consistent across services and roles and things like that, is that. Uh, the spiritual domain spiritual fitness spiritual readiness whatever you want to call it is is put on the plate of the chaplain and chaplains in basically every case that i know of their training is in the religious realm not necessarily the spiritual realm and like trying to deconflict that is hard so how do you how do you draw the line of like providing spiritual coaching spiritual guidance whatever it is even though there's an inherently religious component of of that, at least in the training background of chaplains.
0: Yeah, sure. So our, our entire reason for being right George Washington, when he created the, when, when the continental army was created and in the con through the continental Congress, uh, he created a, an infantry. And then the second day he was like, man, I got a lot of work and I got a lot of people, um, I'm gonna need some help. And so he created the chaplain corps. Um, and so that was like day two. You know 1775 so um so the chaplain corps has got a long history of being a part of the the military and trying to aid people in their well-being and one of the one of the big things uh one of the big reasons for us being there is morale right like ch- having a pulse on uh on the actual people and and getting the ground truth so we don't have we have um individuals have privileged communication with us which incentivizes the ability for them to like be transparent with us because you're not going to get fired if you tell the chaplain <laughs> what you really think whereas like you know the chain of command can can provide a lot of um, obstacles to being transparent right because you're taking orders from this person right <laughs> um, and so that's I think that's our uh, kind of the gifts that we bring. Uh, in terms of like the religion versus spirituality piece. right? So we have the, the First Amendment, the, you know, providing for the free exercise of religion. And so that's kind of what the Chaplain Corps facilitates. Um, so we're here to ensure that people, people's beliefs aren't encroached upon. So like people aren't shoving religion and spirituality down their throats, but we're also allowing them to express that. right? The whole great American uh, experiment of allowing these people to coexist in this uh, Republic of America. Um, and do it in a way that everybody doesn't want to beat each other up and hate each other at the end of the day. <laughs> so protect these freedoms, right? And so that's kind of where the chaplain court comes into play, uh, I, I think. Um, and so I, I th- in terms of like religion versus spirituality, I think the broad brushstrokes of spirituality is, is what we're charged to care for and we're trained in one subsection of spirituality, whatever our faith background is. Um, so we have the specifics of our own faith background, but we're, we're here to accommodate all people. Right. And so we have some, there's, there's some, uh, reflection and reflexivity that we have to have in order to understand what someone is saying, interpret that, and then try and help them get the resources they need. Uh, and so that's, that's a, that's our job is to, to be able to digest what people are sharing with us and then accommodate whatever requests they have. Um, that might be as simple as, Hey, I, you know, I don't agree with you know your particular faith, but this is what I'm trying to learn more about. And, you know, a chaplain worth their salt is going to be like, cool, let me help you. Um, I'm happy to help you grow in that. Um, some challenge, some chaplains have a really, really hard time with, uh, you know, that being said, some chaplains have really find it challenging, uh, early on in their, their time in. Uh, and some choose to not continue as chaplains because they had one understanding of it, but they they find it challenging and they grow in it uh, to to accommodate people. Um, and that's where senior chaplains who've been around the block uh, and and religious affairs uh, NCOs can can really help mentor and shape the, the chaplain course. Hey man, like let's pull you out, like look objectively. This is why we're here, you know, our our guidance is uh, found in our regulations and you know, we're here we're here to protect that. Um, so I, I don't know if that that answers
1: your question or pulls at it. I, I think it does. I think we'll probably come back to that like dichotomy kind of situation a little bit cool. as we go through this conversation. But you you made a point about like the privileged communication piece and like the the comfort level of coming to a chaplain with issues. And for for a long time and still today, we have a lot of units where the the unit ministry team or the chaplain is is the only resource like that in the formation. But we've also kind of noticed that as we start creating human performance teams in in all of these different kinds of organizations, that that's kind of the role of the whole human performance team too, is that they're one of the, they're kind of the only element in the organization whose real role is to advocate for individual personal capability, readiness, health, wellness, whatever you want to call it. The, The command has like the mission much more in mind. And sometimes that comes at the expense of the individual. So when we put human performance teams in place, they're the organization that cares about the individual and can advocate for not sacrificing so much individual wellness for the sake of the mission. The the question I'm not very articulately leading to here is how do, when, when that responsibility is spread with an interdisciplinary team of all sorts of different kinds of professionals that are focused on human performance, how does the chaplain blend into that how do they work with those other disciplines
0: yeah sure uh so part of our role um, and i'm speaking that from from the air force side of the house a so part of our role is advising leaders so the, literally the two two components of, of chaplaincy in the military is to um is providing that spiritual care which falls under the, the free exercise of religion right spiritual care big broad perspective, um, accommodating people's beliefs and values and ethics and being able to have that conversation philosophy. Um, and then, uh, the second one is advising leaders. So, uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to be intentional about what words I choose. (laughs) Um, our, our role is non-combatants. Like I, I can't carry a weapon. I'm not a combatant uh, according to Geneva Convention. So I don't, uh, I don't have any command authority. I don't have any, um, uh, any position of of uh, formal um, responsibility in in the chain of command other than advising the commander on all things spiritual, ethical, moral, religious, um, and so. The value that we have in advising leaders and and I would say on interdisciplinary teams right so we're talking about measuring measures of of performance and measures of effectiveness. Um, A commander can roll out a new policy and then we can hear what people talk about uh, and we can bring the voice of the people to command like qualitative data uh, and say hey we don't have quantitative data. I mean, the, the, the limits of quantitative data are. Hey, we randomly walked around your 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 unit and we had conversations with people, transparent conversations, uh, and people know that we we can't divulge where that comes from, uh, and we can advise the command on, hey, this is the ground truth of what people are saying, and, and a lot of times the command teams, um, and and the the human performance teams understand it, uh, but we bring kind of that that unfiltered perspective from from the mouth of the people. Um, our fidelity is in, in providing care to people and making sure that people are well. Whereas the commands team, the command teams and the human performance team, their focus is f- straight on mission accomplishment and, and ensuring that they have everything to do that. And so, in a sense, like there, our fields of practice are a little bit different. Sometimes they overlap, but by and large, more often than not, uh, more of our, our focus or our practice is, is on different areas. Um, and so sometimes you have some challenges in interdis- interdisciplinary care. Sometimes you have some challenges interpersonally as well. Um, uh, but I, I think anytime, uh, you have a human performance team that's wanting the spiritual domain, if you request a chaplain to be there, uh, or if you hit the command team and say, Hey, we need the spiritual domain representation. Like you go through the chain of the command and request that, like they'll show up cause they want to, they want to add value. And they want to you know roll their sleeves up and, and advise and, and that's our core competency, man. Like that's, that's literally what we get paid to do <laughs> uh, is be available for the people uh, and advise the command on, on how their people are doing.
2: Well, to, to talk about like integrating into these multidisciplinary teams, because I've seen it on a number of different levels now, but it brings to mind one of the terms um, and one of the resources you sent us, which is human flourishing, which I think is kind of a fancy way of talking about like optimizing human performance, obviously using flourishing. It's pretty fancy, but can you speak? Cause I think that gets to kind of the point of what Alex is asking of like, instead of this on the army side, this four plus one idea of like spirituality being the stepchild because it's owned by the chaplaincy and, and kind of this, uh, but this idea of human flourishing specifically, as it relates to this holistic team, can you speak to how you've kind of seen that play out successfully and maybe even not so successfully?
0: Yeah. Um, So I I guess to clarify, um, I guess what you're asking is, hey, what does a high functioning team look like uh, in terms of like chaplain integration?
2: Yeah. And like what is like what is human flourishing? Because the first time I saw that term was when we started kind of chatting with you about the spirituality piece. And it kind of gets at, again, like I think every every pillar and every human performance model I've been a part of is chasing that ideal, whether they call it human flourishing or not. Uh, and I think it's interesting that, that the chaplain core has put sort of a name to it and has some some behind it as they try to define it.
0: Yeah, when I think of human flourishing off, the, off of the, the top of my head, I can consult resources um, uh all aspects of the person are well, right? Um are doing good. Um and I think uh that's so person centric and it's so individualized. Uh um I, I think this is what I think the army and, and the air force and I think the navy as well. They they've got this stickman chart of you know red, red green blue. I, I think I remember See oh, some right. of that, yeah, right. Yeah, red, yellow, red, yellow, green. Um, there's a reluctance for chaplains to add to that because of the, there's w- one of the things that we have to manage in like embedded chaplaincy positions and uh function on an interdisciplinary team is um protecting so we have to protect confidentiality, right? Uh, but we also have to protect the p- perception of confidentiality, um, and so. There's at times there can be a reluctance to come to the table and, and advise and provide in an open forum on a on a team uh, setting um, to to be you know the chaplain to share something that might go into breaking privilege communication and no chaplain wants to do that because we like doing our job and if we break com- confidentiality then then we get fired and no chaplain wants to get fired. <laughs> Um, and so there's a reluctance, I think, with the emergence of, like, spiritual fitness, with the development of human flourishing as a concept and, and unifying around that ideal. Um, and, and that's why I sent you the Koenig article, uh, because I think it's it's profound and it's something that all disciplines can surround. Um, uh, I think we're building the plane while we're flying it, uh, to borrow an Air Force imagery, right? We're, we're, we're figuring out how we can play well with other disciplines and, and come to the table. Um, I think the way that most human performance, uh, and I'm, I feel like I'm just kind of rambling, so I'll stop monologuing here in a minute, but, <laughs> um, I, I think other human performance at assets, uh, the research on spirituality and the research on how to measure spirituality is, is so nascent. It's, it's so new. Um, that a lot of chaplains aren't educated on that. Um, And I think the army and the air force and I'm in the Navy as well, all all of them are doing a really good job of, uh, a pretty bang up job of, of educating their core on it. Um, But, but we're uh, when we're talking about high performing professionals and high performing uh, folks that are coming from D1 universities, from, from, uh, from the, from the leagues, from, you know, NFL, NHL uh, um, and, Uh, MLB, like there's this want to get a uh, a a turn and an answer, and and same thing with command teams. They want an answer now, but like the bureaucracy of the military is not that right. It takes it takes a long time for the ship to turn, and so we're seeing kind of the the fruit of that. Um, And I think that the the Chaplain Corps is a a part of that. One of those um, one of those kind of indicators, if you will, I don't think it's a problem, but it's kind of a beacon on the dashboard of like, hey, we need to pay attention to this. Um, And maybe, maybe take a different approach to solving this problem of measuring spiritual performance. Um, uh, There's a, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Carol Green. He's a psychologist who's, uh, he's actually writing a book on measuring spiritual performance. Um, he's, He's currently writing it. He's been working on it the past couple of years. Uh, I've been on a couple of conference calls with him and and heard his take on it. It's really, really refreshing to, to hear him. I think there's a reluctance to have a conversation about spirituality because of kind of the taboo of being, you know, the chaplain has privileged communication. So there's like a, like anytime I talk, anytime I'm sitting down with somebody and I try to normalize spirituality as much as I can, no matter where I go. Right. That's, that's just how I do spiritual care. Right. If the chaplain is always around, then people are going to expect the chaplain to be around. And there will probably be increased utilization, increased access, and increased, you know, uh, conversations. And so once you know someone, then you're more likely to, to interact with them. And so we, we try to normalize that in, in our, wherever I am, wherever I'm serving. I, I did that with Drew when I worked with him back in the day, or at least I tried to. <laughs> um, I've done that, you know, out of, at my previous assignment, my current assignment. And, and people are very receptive to that. What I find is that people will walk into a room and be like, "Oh, am I interrupting?" And they're very polite about it. They 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 respect the role that I have, and they don't know whether there's privileged communication happening, whether that's in the gym, whether that's in an office context, whether that's walking around the compound. Um, people are very respectful of that. So I think there's, I think there's just maybe, I think maybe other human performance professionals just kind of being open and being like, "Hey." what what do you have to to contribute like maybe just a curiosity like what how do you think we should solve this problem or bringing them in on on conversations that's what I've like drew welcomed me with open arms and said, hey uh the gym's here and you're not in it so uh I was like, oh well an open door okay
2: cool well it, it brings to mind the story and I mean we're recording this so the world will hear it but I remember the first day I met Chris, he came in before any of the other guys. to the gym plugged in his iPhone and I don't remember what music you were playing. I know it was of the hip hop variety and I know that the next person, maybe not the next person, but like maybe 20, 30 minutes later, the squadron commander comes in and starts getting at me. He's like, what is, like, this is way too vulgar. Whose music is this? And I point at Chris, and I'm like, oh, this is the new chaplain. He's running the tunes today. That was day one. (laughs) And I've said this, you know, on the Air Force side, on the Army side for years, like, and this isn't a question so much as just a statement. Like, it's the chaplains that are sort of, you know, to use a military term, like boots on the ground, training with the guys, kind of getting their hands dirty, that always, in my opinion, has led to success versus folks that kind of come in from this very clinical. I would call it more of like a religious chaplain angle versus kind of like, like you said, just being kind of one of the one of the guys, one of the team. Um but yeah, I I have told the story of you and your music in the gym more times than I can count.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah uh, Aspen actually, you know, the, the PT we work with, she actually shared that at the, uh, the human performance, uh, board, all like the O5s and O6s. You're right. Uh, you. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll send you one of these. We, um, I would love to give you a copy of these. This, this is our, um, and I think this might get after, uh, some of the questions. I don't know. I'm, I'm a bad, uh, being a bad them right now um because i didn't send it to you but we had a, we partnered with a research organization to get after um what are the spiritual readiness requirements for our command and we conducted a study a qualitative study across our entire um our entire wing so we did seven geographically separated units and we did focus groups and we had uh, the questions that we asked, they're in the back. There's a, a focus group that we, we facilitate, and, and this might be helpful for you know, sharing that with, with uh, the listeners, and I'm, I'm happy to share it with you guys. What, is, what does a spiritually ready individual look like? What are their behaviors, qualities, and attributes? How can chaplains help warfighters be spiritually ready? What aspects of the spiritually ready individual are currently being supported? What aspects could be supported better? What does a robust and healthy spirituality look like in the unit, in the pipeline during deployment and downrange, and it, what role, if any, does spirituality play in forming capable, competent leaders? And the last question was, are there any other needs we haven't discussed? And there's a lovely executive summary in the beginning. Um, they, they, the recommendations. So this. Uh, it was Uniform Services University, who we partnered with in the consortium for health and military performance. They're fantastic. So
1: this, this is getting me excited for a second. Was this a community-based blueprinting study? Is that what it was? This wasn't.
0: We we did like a scaled-down version of it, just because of okay. uh, just because of our timelines and requirements. I would love to do that in the Chaplain Corps. Um, it would cost a lot more money than I have, and it would require advocating. I'm happy to do that, but yeah, I'm all about capability blue-based blueprinting. This was the this was the trim down, you know, uh, smaller budget version. Um, I
1: interned at champ as I was leaving active duty and I've been advocating for community-based blueprinting ever since. And as far as I know, it's only really been done with air force organizations. Cause I guess you guys have more money than we do, but I, like I, there's so much it could get after that I think would be immensely valuable
0: yeah well what it shows is so this is one of the things that we one of the drew you mentioned this a minute ago the boots on ground perspective all across our. so the 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 researchers and i'm gonna drive to your house and give you a copy of this just for the record um uh yeah we so one of the things that we was identified is the people want and they were very candid with us it was awesome we did i think there's probably two four is it Probably about thirty hours of recordings out that they crunched into a hundred-page report. Um, one of the things that they identified, and this is this is for the the, the twenty-four Special Operations Wing, um, whom I work with, uh, they they recommended um, they recommended, hey, we need boots on ground, like a chaplain that's willing to get dirty with the people, um, who's not afraid to 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 you know depart from their office and integrate with their people, right? A lot of times we get stuck behind the desk and we have conversations with people because, you know, clergy are naturally kind of a little bit more bookish than the other populations. Right. Um, And and that's fine. And it has, I mean, I have, you see all the books here, right? Like, (laughs) uh, but there's a requirement from the people to, to, to know and see the people to see the chaplain. And um, my, my endorser um, who, who ordained me, my Bishop, he said, uh, he, when he ordained me, laid his hands on my knobby head and said, laddie, a good sheeps, a good, a good shepherd smells like a sheep. Right. And that was kind of his wisdom. And I think that that's getting at what we're talking about. Right. Um, and so uh, that's one thing that they recommended. The other thing they recommended was adapting, uh, adapt- standardizing and promoting a definition of spiritual readiness. Right. And I think the army and the air force and the Navy are getting after that right now. Um, adopt the measurable standards and assessments so one of the things that we utilize for ma- measuring assessments is the the spiritual fitness metric tool which champ actually created back in 2018 2019 or yeah, 2018 2019 and it gets after like how do we explain spirituality in a way that is tangible isn't riddled with a bunch of political things and it equips people with common language so that they can have a conversation about it right because at the end of the day you have commanders who want to talk about, go see the chaplain or utilize a chaplain, but they don't want to get into faith specific stuff because that gets them into legal areas, right? So how do we equip leadership with language to have these conversations? And so the, 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 the spiritual fitness metric tool is, is, what we've utilized and, and we've soft launched it across our entire command for the, the past two years. And, and we've had nothing but raving reviews from being able to measure where I am spiritually. And so there's three different scales. And you can tell me to stop talking if you want. And I can send you this too. I, I kind of sent you that one article because it was high off the presses, but I'll send you these ones as well. Is this the, um, the fitness for, Is
2: the seven, just to like clarify, because I'm looking, I think at the same thing, the 17 question. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. The 17 questions. Uh, yeah. we. I think I ran into them at like a, a course and I I was like, this is great. Where have you guys been? They have a spiritual research team. like. They're phenomenal um but they pursuing meaning purpose and values so that's kind of your kind of internal uh, your own internal spirituality um you're pursuing your your uh, personal connection to higher power which is your kind of vertical spirituality uh and that's optional right like at, at the end of the day the uh, the assessment it's not required right so it's theist and non-theist uh um friendly uh, and then there's the self-sacrifice for the greater good, which is kind of your horizontal spirituality. And so the way that we characterize it is, um, at least we've kind of developed it on, as we sh- share this and educate the command on it. Um, you're, you're pursuing meaning, purpose, and value is a relationship with yourself. Uh, your personal connection to a higher power is your relationship with whatever power that is, your, your God, God's. Um, whatever your higher power is, your relationship. And then your self-sacrifice for the greater good is, is your relationship with others, your friends, your family, your team, right? And, um, and so there's something for everybody in this scale. And um, what we found in administering it with people and having a conversation about it is, is people notice changes and each season of life might be different. Let's say you're deployed, right? Uh, it's really hard to maintain a relationship with your spouse when you're deployed. So that horizontal one is probably going to be weakened a little bit, but it might be strengthened by the people that you're around, right? Your connection to a higher power might be strengthened if you're deployed because you have more time to develop that or devote time to that. Um, or maybe you don't, uh, and then your own kind of internal, um, spirituality, your, your relationship with yourself, how are you doing? Um, and so what we see is there's kind of an overlap with like the psychosocial, spiritual, um, domains. Uh, and they're all connected, right? Um, there's some overlap, and and, and that's fine. Uh, and that's where I think the Chaplain Corps can kind of offer some insight, you know, this, uh, this de-identified information that they can be like, hey, this is what we've seen across the command, and, and these are the trends that we're seeing. And um, where we've seen a lot of value is, is entering into an assignment uh, anytime that they want ad hoc uh, post-deployment and then, uh, leaving an assignment. And then we have that conversation with the individual and it's up to them if they want to take us up on, you know, spiritual coaching, um, and helping them develop in those three scales or domains, uh, of of spirituality. Um, and, and a lot of people are, I think the, the phrase that I heard from one of our guys was, um, I really like that. And it's it's a clean way to, uh, to think about spirituality. And they, they valued that. I had another, one of our uh, chaplains in the command, he said, uh, he said he had a guy come up to him and say, Hey chap, I think my numbers are changing. And uh, he's like, Hey, why, why do you think that is? And he's like, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, these life events happened. So, and so that, it's, a, it's educating the force and giving them a language to, to think about spirituality in a way that's not riddled with, you know, stress or you know, baggage. A lot of times there's a lot of baggage when it comes to spirituality, spirituality or religion. And so it, it kind of um, bypasses that. <laughs> so I'll stop. I'll stop monologuing. So
2: <laughs> I like the I like the terms you used. I think it was sort of vertical, you know, kind of the components of spiritual fitness. One would be the vertical piece, the horizontal piece, and then kind of the internal piece. I think it's like you referenced. It's very clean when you think about it that way, and it makes a lot of sense because I think everybody everybody addresses it as kind of this gray area but when you kind of put it into a box you may be missing out on some rough edges but vertical horizontal internal kind of puts it into this nice it makes more sense that way i guess is what i'm getting at
0: yeah and and that's uh that's been the biggest task for chaplains i think is you know as as you know the the military population is a cross-section of american society and so as the American society is evaluating and, and looking at different values and, and, and different belief systems, like so are the, the service members. Uh, and so the, the, the study that we had come out, and again, this is you know, Air Force within AFSOC, but it, I think the themes can kind of be teased out with other communities. Um, hey, how do we develop our capabilities or pivot to the new emerging needs? Um, that was the biggest thing that that people were bringing up in these conversations. You know, we had probably eight to twelve people in a focus group and polling from. Uh, usually, it was senior NCOs and um, and junior officers, and then we had one leadership team down at HQ. Um, and that was the biggest thing: was hey, how, how do we pivot to the actual needs? And and what you were mentioning, um, what you were mentioning, uh, Alex is. A capability based blueprinting shows, Hey, what does, what does, what do you actually do and what are your actual requirements and where's the gap and how do we, what's the get well plan for that? I think correct me if I'm wrong. You're the, I, I you got, you got the intern time there.
1: I did, I did but I appreciate the fact that we like, have an opportunity here for a shameless plug for champ. Cause I think it's, yeah, I think it's a cool time for them. Like as human performance in the military expands so does champs potential to really like influence that and push like the total force fitness concept and everything. And yeah, that's the simplest description of community-based blueprinting is pretty much what you said. It's, it's an assessment of what are the actual day-to-day tasks or mission tasks? What are the limiting factors that are preventing you from performing more highly on those? And what are the appropriate interventions or services to introduce, to address some of those limiting factors? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You you kind of mentioned
1: um, sort of the civilian
2: population in your last statement. And one thing that struck me as I was reading some of the research around spirituality was that when they look at the military and compare specifically kind of like a socioeconomic comparison around folks not in the military, everything on the military side of the house trends higher in terms of like suicidal ideations successful suicide attempts ptsd uh spousal spousal issues etc etc and i think everybody knows this and if you've been around the military long enough you just kind of accept it it's kind of like a little bit of gallows humor but why do you think from what you've seen at the different levels like why is it that on the military side of the house this stuff is so much more prevalent is it a product of just like we tend to measure it more often or do you think that something that is intrinsic to the way the military runs its operations creates so much strain stress moral injury whatever you want to call it
0: yeah i think um, so can you repeat that, that big question one more time for me? Cause I, I went and grabbed a resource cause I think it gets at the question. Just so I just want to hear of like,
2: why, I guess to, to put it, to put it in a, in a sense, why is everything so much worse in the military in terms of, again, PTSD, suicidal, ideation, like all the bad stuff just gets worse when you're in the military.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like you're asking me a statistics question. You're asking the chaplain a statistics question. I don't know if that's fair. uh but um well so i heard uh i I sat in on a podcast there's a a lovely organization um, called the chaplaincy innovation lab i don't know if you guys have heard them so write that down um shameless plug as well uh they've been a wellspring of, of information for me in terms of thinking about spirituality from a new perspective, or from, a, from representing spirituality, right? Um, and the, the lady who runs it is uh, Dr. Wendy Kedge. Um, She's a sociologist. Um, and uh, sociologists are really fascinating because they look at populations and they look at uh, developing, uh, what are some of the trends across cultures or populations? And she had an interaction with, a, visiting a friend in a hospital, and interacted with a chaplain in the elevator. And that really struck her. And she really wanted to, <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me, she really wanted to play around with the idea of what is spiritual care and how how come I haven't heard about this and why is this population not really like researched on. So she started out, I think it's out of Brandeis University. Um, that's where it's kind of based at, but it's kind of this network that's developed of chaplain researchers. Um, she, they just came out with this book, uh, Chaplaincy and Spiritual Care in the 21st Century. And they, they assembled a, a lovely, um, it's kind of a reader on what they think spiritual care should look like moving out, um, moving forward. And I've I've just crested like the, the first couple chapters. So I'm still playing around with it. Um, but I think that's a really fun resource. So the Chaplaincy the Chaplaincy Innovation Lab. They they hosted this gentleman who uh, wrote this book, uh, A Religious History of the American GI in World War II, uh, Kurt Peeler, and um, he talked about it. He's a historian, and he wanted to write on like what chaplains in World War II. And one thing that he said in his, his he gave a little talk, and then I I bought their book, and I haven't I haven't pounded through it yet. Um, but one thing that he mentioned in his talk was. Um, when you take a, a citizen out of uh, society, you strip them of their identity and you put a uniform on them and you train them to meet your objectives. And so there are little things that they can hold on to. Um, and one of those things is their spiritual identity um, because they give up their other identities to, to, um, to protect and, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And so they, they sacrifice. And one of the things that, that they can do is practice their spiritual, spiritual, spirituality. And, um, I thought that was a really interesting thing and I couldn't help but think, Hmm, what are we asking people to do? And maybe it's too much for a lot of people and maybe they've run into challenges and maybe they get into a, you know, kind of paint themselves into a corner when it comes to life circumstances and needing a place and an outlet where they can, be open, transparent, and and explore what being well looks like. Getting back to like the human flourishing question that you were talking about, um, Drew earlier, like, are we are we asking the right questions, or are we approaching this from the right perspective? Um, and I think the chaplain corps, just by virtue of our training, you know, we're rooted in in traditions that are, you know, hundreds and thousands of years old. You know, we we've, we've looked at, we're we're part of organizations and communities. Have looked at this problem of what does being well look like um, for a long time, and we're trained in the tradition that we come out of to to offer that to the, the military service, um, the Department of Defense as a whole, or or healthcare chaplaincy, or you know other other expressions of chaplaincy, and and so I think um, I don't know if that answers entirely your question, but I think it offers a perspective on that 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 question.
2: It's interesting because kind of one of the earlier statistics that I think, I think it gets highlighted more often now as we're looking at kind of the, the soldier and the service member more holistically, but it's this statistic of like, I think over the past decade or so, maybe two decades, the number of self-inflicted injuries and injuries around what we would consider kind of, I don't know, poor human flourishing are much higher, almost four times higher than kind of combat inflicted injuries and to your point about you know we strip when you go from civilian to military you you kind of lose your identity you gain another identity you get the uniform you, you chase the objective a lot of that is caged around this conversation of like marching towards gunfire but realistically i think the bigger risk that isn't really talked about is all the baggage like you mentioned that comes with that and maybe addressing that early doors as folks are just getting into this process solves or maybe prevents i don't know some of those problems um but it's just interesting that statistic because you you do hear it sometimes i know sebastian younger i think mentioned it in his book Try the idea of like it's it's not combat that's doing the most damage to military members it's kind of everything around that which really i think is what the chaplaincy is trying to get after
1: well now i'm mad at drew because because i know you wanted
2: to talk about tribe
1: (laughs) yeah I, i told Drew before we recorded that there were there were a couple books that were on my list to to bring up during this conversation and not not necessarily tribe specifically but younger does a really good job of bringing it up in tribe is just the issue of community and like not the military specifically even just like modern society how we've done so much to fracture a sense of community but like societies used to go to war as a society and then heal as a society or like at least you to go with people you knew and come back to the same place and that's just not the case anymore we we pull people out of the society they're from send them to the war as a group of little people who do war stuff and then bring them back and like chuck them back into whatever that community was with no no community that has a common like language to talk about those issues or any kind of shared experience and that, that seems like it's at the root of a lot of this. And most of what you've talked about this hour has been the chaplaincy's role or the spiritual domain's role in creating conversations and creating community. I mean, we, we opened with talking about how, like, working in your space, it's really important to know everyone in the organization and just be present and be around. That sure sounds like just developing a sense of community, and it seems like that's what's at the root of a lot of these conversations.
0: Yeah, co- cohesion, right? The like commanders, uh, commanders are paying chaplains for you know, chaplains and religious affairs NCOs on, hey, how are my folks doing? Where are some of the friction points and teams, and they can get down and, and in, and we can advise to, we can advise to a point and say, hey, sir, ma'am, this is this is where I think the problem lies. And a lot of times we consult with folks like, um, like the strength coaches or the psychs or the social workers or the PTs. And because they see a, a variety of, of, uh, of experiences and, and we can get a pulse on what our perspective is and then present it to leadership. I actually had, I remember I came into a unit um, where uh, the entire unit was in distress because we had, we just lost someone. Um, was killed in action, and uh, and so the commander was actually deployed, um, and uh, and so out of when when the commander came back, um, the entire team I I pulled the entire team and said, hey, look, I, I think we owe the command a, a back brief on everything and what recommendations that we have moving forward for the get well plan for the unit, um, and so we drafted up a, a two page. Uh, a two-page MFR and then I made that official and got all the inputs from all the pillars and said hey this is what I think right looks like Um, I'd love your insights and I want to take this to the commuter for action Um, and this is more of like a philosophical or or kind of like yeah a philosophical approach like this is the mindset I think you need in in approaching the people and these are the coas that like the, the the recommendations specifics like I listed out probably four or five different things that that the team and I kind of brainstormed on um, to help the team that helped the community grieve, grow and and continue on with their their mission. Um, And that was a really enriching experience. A lot of times there can be some challenges like personality-wise and um, it takes a a emotionally intelligent and um, humble chaplain to be able to manage those relationships and kind of navigate the systems and emotional fields uh, that, that are there and it can be really challenging at times. Um, and so, uh, you know, we talk about capability blueprinting. there's some training opportunities. I think the chaplain corps could, could benefit from, but, um, uh, like systems theory, I think that would be really helpful, but <laughs> like how to navigate systems and emotional fields. But, um, but I think that that was really enriching and, and it was really, um, I think it was really helpful, and I think it showcased the value of the chaplain corps advising and kind of unifying a team on a grieving organization and helping them become cohesive and, and grow and, and um, mourn, but also flourish afterwards. Be well. Um, I think that answers one of your questions you asked earlier, Drew, <laughs> about uh, what a good or kind of productive team dynamic looks like.
2: Well, yeah, and it kind of brings up another, I mean, this sounds like a cliche question, but in your experiences at different levels and with different commands and, and different kind of incidents and what have you, like what are kind of some some key themes that you've seen in terms of creating a sense of community or cohesion, you know, at a command level or even at the, just any any level really, but kind of with your perspective what are some things that you've seen work well for folks that are kind of looking to do that in their
0: organization? Yeah, so um, I'm probably going to take this from a different perspective than you, than you expected. but Please do. Um, I think it's important to remember that chaplains are, um, are not the arbiters of community or um, we're rather the facilitators of it. Um, we're not the arbiters of culture or community but rather we're here to come alongside it because each organization has its own community life and its own, um, in its own organizational identity. And and it's up to us to understand what that is and align with it and then help where we can. And we're not here to change it. We're just here to help facilitate it. Um, so there are things within the organization that they do automatically, um, that are a part of the DNA and, and the community, like people don't necessarily need to hear what I have to say. They need to hear what the people have to say. Right. They, I'm not the, per, I'm not the matriarch or patriarch of the organization. Um, I'm not the the one who knows everybody and is connected and, um, is organic to that unit as much as like an NCO, um, is who everybody knows in the unit and they're kind of the mascot of the unit, right? Like there are people within the organization who are in that role and who are, doing good things and it's just a matter of aligning with them and and partnering with them to to enhance that that cohesion Um, so in a sense like we're we're partnering with that community Um, and i think i think we we don't do a good job when we come to the table and create something and invite people to it i think a better answer uh, to aligning with a culture in a community is see what the culture is doing and then and then align with that or ask the people who are, are in that community, uh, hey, what do you need from me, and how can I help? Like roll your sleeves up, right? Um, and that goes back to like, what is our role? We're here to accommodate people's free exercise of religion. We're here to accommodate their spiritual care needs. We're here to accommodate and advise leaders on um, how the organization can flourish and do well. Um, and so sometimes, sometimes we can, and I'm I'm guilty of this too. Like I. I have books that I like to read, but there are also books that I have that that benefit other people to read or people make recommendations in podcasts or in conversations in the hallway. They're giving me clues on how to better serve their organization, right? Like that. So I'll stop monologuing again. Cool my soup coolers.
2: That was perfect. Because it almost answers the question in a better way than it was asked in the sense of like, if you are in a position where you do have a chaplain or you're in an organization that is maybe struggling with some of this stuff it gives a good perspective on like the tools at your disposal to kind of maybe get to the bottom of some of the things that you may not be aware of because you're so down and in
0: if that makes yeah. sense yeah and it's it's a it's a challenge uh it requires it requires a sacrifice of time it requires a sacrifice of resources it requires you to think deeply about the population you're serving um who are the people in the environment what is the environment and who are the people that you're serving and how is that organization different from the last one you serve and what do you need to do to pivot in order to better serve this community and um and that's all (laughs) that's all challenging and gray and but it requires us to think and reflect which is what i think chaplains do naturally well um i think human performance professionals um you know, the H two F folks, uh, the POTIF folks. Um, I think if you can present a, a problem to a chaplain in that that way, um, and kind of kind of invite them along and say, hey, look, this is the problem we're thinking about, and it's it's a natural fit to hang out with the, the psych and social workers because you know the space between and you know the head and the heart, right? Um, I think it, a natural way to interact with like the the strength coaches or the PTS is. Um, a lot of times the, the mind body connection, um, is, is connected to trauma is connected to pain is can that's all connected, right. Um, Vander Kolk, uh, Bessel Vander Kolk wrote a book called the body keeps the score, which is really powerful for me as a chaplain to, to understand the mind body connection and better, better, like align with the, the, um, the human performance athlete, the human performance, uh, professionals the the strength coaches the sport meds docs the the pts and and to to really because when when folks feel better they want to reciprocate and they want to share and and next thing you know they might be disclosing something or sharing something and and having that relationship you can make a warm handoff
1: hey have you thought about talking to the chaplain about that you know like (laughs) that trust that's built so i think there's also a point you made in there that's pretty valuable for for human performance professionals broadly not just chaplains about You're not the arbiters of culture. You don't own the way it's done there. And I think, especially in organizations where human performance is getting set up for the first time, where they're coming in and it's new to the community, there's an idea like it's easy to walk in the door and be like, okay, cool. I got hired because you guys are bad at this. I'm here to fix it and change everything and tell you how to do it. And that's just not, it's not going to work. And I think the idea of like coming alongside it, and seeking to understand before being understood and becoming a part of the community before you tell the community how it needs to change, I think is a a crucial message to making sure people understand that like, Hey, like especially in an environment where this whole thing is new. Yes. You need people to understand the value you can bring to the table, but you probably need people to understand like, you probably need to understand them first. Then they need to understand who you are in the first place. And then you can start to have a conversation about adding value or maybe changing things, but you don't, you don't own it. You're there to facilitate it. I think that was a great way to describe it.
0: It's about that relationship, right? You have to cultivate that relationship and trust.
2: Cause we talked about that. I forget. I forget which conversation we were having, but it's this idea, like you mentioned, especially as we see this influx of human performance professionals into these organizations, some for the first time being around the military and just assuming that by virtue of you being there, you will have buy-in, you will have, you know, people on their knees worshiping you for your body of knowledge and everyone getting so upset. And I, I say this specifically because I hear it in the strength and conditioning community quite a bit, but like, everyone is upset and blaming the soldier or, you know, the airman because they don't want to do my thing. And it's like, well, why would, like, why should they ultimately, like, just because you're there doesn't make you the right answer. And I think the same can be said for like you mentioned on the, on the chaplains side of the house, really any of these pillars, it's like, I don't think you can overemphasize how valuable it is to just take a little bit of time to like absorb, the status quo and then figure out where your skill set fits into that versus going in and being like, oh well, you know, now we're doing this, this, and this. And if you don't like it, that's your problem. It's like, no, man, I think, I think that's actually your problem. Um if people could just kind of digest that, it would probably you probably see a lot more success, I think, across the board, as uncomfortable as that might be to think about.
0: Yeah, well you think about it, right? Like the you have two wildly different, you have very similar cultures. Like the military is all about, hey, let's get after it. And like most of these performance professionals are coming from high performing organizations and they're getting after it too. And so um, I think there's some wisdom in being patient and let let the plot thicken a little bit um, uh, and acclimating to the, to the new yeah. reality. Yeah, exactly.
2: I have, so to kind of, Cause I know we're getting towards the end here, but I, I have just kind of a quick fire question for you. And it's, there's two parts to this. So if you had kind of the keys, the keys to the car for the day, what is, what is one thing from the chaplaincy side of the house that you wish kind of the general force side of the house had a better understanding of and then vice versa? What do you wish the, the, the general force or rather the chaplaincy understood about the general force. If that makes sense. I may have phrased that wrong, but both ways, like how can the, how can the tactical athlete better understand the chaplaincy side and what would you wish that the chaplaincy side better understood about the tactical athlete?
0: Um, I think there's probably three answers to that question. Um, I, I think I wish that, so I'll answer the chaplaincy and working with other professionals. I'll answer that one first, because that one wasn't hit on, but I think it's important to address. I think um, research literacy is extremely vital um, for chaplains to understand interacting with other human performance professionals. Because research and evidence-based care is the the bread and butter of um of any human performance uh athlete right whether that's a pt whether that's a, a med uh, you know a dot med doc pa P, uh, pt strength and conditioning coach uh psych social worker like if you can't understand the literature if you can't understand uh like work your way through an, a journal article right you guys ate that up right <laughs> um if you, if you can't understand that research component and speak to that competently, like you lose credibility and then you, it's just a non-starter a lot of times. Like you, you don't even speak the same language, right? And so understanding the language of research and the value of it, um, that's a lot different than any like seminary graduate school trained chaplain is familiar with. Uh, I think it's getting better because I think the the chaplaincy innovation lab is, is spotlighting that, uh, the, the gap, if you will, between, Seminary education, and then actual no kidding chaplain needs in the military and in healthcare chaplaincy. Um, the the COVID pandemic helped like highlight and gain increased funding for the research on that, uh, and so that's kind of one of the benefits of, of the pandemic that that we've we've seen in the chaplain world. Um, and so I I think that's one. Um, and so my biggest I think the Army is doing a, a phenomenal job at. Uh, They've, they've done a phenomenal job, their, their chief's initiative group at building those relationships with the academy. And I say research academy, I mean research universities um, and researchers. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job building that bridge and educating their, their entire force on it. I think they've done a phenomenal job of that. So kudos to them. <laughs> um, and I think the Marine Corps is doing a, a great job. If you ever get a chance, look at the, the Marine Corps spiritual fitness website. It is just chock full of goodness. Um, from the commands, like from the, the commandant of the Marine Corps down um, with their full support. So the Department of the Navy is getting after it too. Um, and I think the Air Force is getting there too. We're, we're solving that problem. Uh, um, so that's one. Um, I think I think the ground force understanding about the Chaplain Corps. So like everyday people in, their, in the Air Force, Army, in uh, space, space force, <laughs> uh, in the navy, you know, marine corps, et cetera. Regardless, the, the everyday person to understand about the Chaplain corps is: hey, man, we're we're here to uh, support you guys. Um, we're not here to judge you. That's literally not our job. Uh, we'll get fired um, if we start moving out on that. Um, but we're here to support you with your requests. And, and you know, there's there's an extreme reluctance to engage us. Sometimes it seems people are a little bit cagey. Like well, the chaplain's here, you know, like <laughs> um you'd be surprised at the the depth um and substance of of conversation uh, by just asking a regular question, like, hey, where are you from? What did you do before you became a chaplain? You know, or what'd you become before were you before your religious affairs into? You know, we're humans, you know, build build upon that relationship first, right? We're all humans. Uh, and we all share the the earth suit that we're wearing, you know, we all wear the same skin um uh in existence on earth so like i think that's a great common ground to start from um and then uh i think um the chaplains to understand the ground force i think alex you you hit on it earlier um we aren't the arbiters of culture and community but the facilitators of it like the people were getting on before we got there um and they were, they were doing life and flourishing before we got there. We're here to enhance that. Um, and so I think you know, the chaplain corps understanding that about, about our communities that we, we are you know, respectfully, respectively a part of. Um, so I don't know if that, that answers your question, Drew. Or-
2: oh, that's perfect. And I think, again, it hits on that point, especially the last piece of like, if there's one thing, an embedded component, and again, I include here in performance and all of this, and chaplains can understand about the culture piece. It's that you're kind of an objective outsider and you're meant to like supplement that, not directly influence or change it. The, the influence and change might come as a byproduct of you supplementing it, but you coming in and kicking down doors is not gonna be the way. Yeah,
0: we're, we're all on a team, right? And that's, uh, I mean, maybe this might be another one that I'd throw in there. Um, Chaplaincy is a team sport, man. And, uh, you know, when you join a team uh, of interdisciplinary professionals, right? Like you're on a team and it's not, you're not, you're not doing the Lone Ranger thing. You're here on a team. And like the team might need you to do some things that, that you might have to think creatively about, you know? And, uh, at the end of the day, if you, if you carry the same weight as everybody else, like you'll gain the respect of everyone else. So, um, so I think, I think that transcends disciplines. Um, I think that transcends disciplines that's perfect well Chris thank you yeah it was a pleasure chatting with you guys that's a good way to close that's great